1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guests are Linda Thurman and Ed Poole from Movie Poster Archives, a nonprofit that operates a brand-new gallery and store at 605 La Boulevard in Gretna. Linda is an author, speaker, and former Hollywood executive. Ed and his wife Susan are archivists and researchers who have written more than 20 books on film history. This new venture features an exhibition space, research center, gift shop, and screening room, Today, we'll talk about the importance of movie posters and other accessories and how this new gallery and store came to be. Linda and Ed, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. much.
1: (laughs) I hope that was a good uh, summary of what we're about to talk about.
0: I think we're done. (laughs) That's it. We did it.
1: (laughs) Covered. So, uh, look, let me just start right off the bat, and and I'm going to ask these questions. Whoever wants to answer can answer. But why are movie posters important, uh, and why are they in danger?
2: Want me to answer that? Oh, you oh, know gee, it. <laughs> do you have a, have a couple of hours? <laughs> well, well, first, movie posters were issued with the films. So when you're dealing with American films, and it's been proven over and over and debated and so forth, the value of the films, which shows what it was like during different periods, how culture was. The films are studied all over the place. Well... Now, AFI is declaring 90% of all silent films are gone, Uh, 50% of all films, U.S. films made in the U.S. before 1951 are lost forever, and now a lot more than when the films are gone. The next thing is the legal documents that were issued with the films, which are the movie posters, and there is tremendous amounts of information on each one of the posters that had to be issued uh, that people don 't realize is there, so what kind of things
1: besides the picture and the names of the actors, what are we talking about
2: okay we 're talking about information like um, lithographers uh-huh. there 's lithographer plate numbers that date the posters on there there 's production codes on Movie stills that even if you don't have the title, you can run down and use those numbers on the stills to identify whatever that was. The time period, anything about it, the re-releases. You get into so much additional information about other businesses that were operating that prepared this backup that did all of this. When you look at some of these posters like that and look at all the tiny print that's across the bottom and all the numbers that are figured on there. These are always overlooked. Well that's what we always did the research into. What are they? Why are they there? Who did them? And it gives you all this additional information about that film
1: being made. So all those I'm sorry to cut you off. All those details help you put together uh, more than just information about that movie. It's about that entire moment in time and who was working and everything else.
2: Exactly. That's not even the image that's on there or the images are there or the artist that did the painting for that has nothing to do with that. That's just the additional information of the economy and what was going on at that time got it raw data Yep.
0: The, another interesting piece is if a film is gone and we can find at least 200 stills from that film mm-hmm. which were often issued uh, the studios would issue thick books for the press okay. to use and if we can find the continuity script yeah. which is if especially with famous directors it's going to be somewhere yeah. then we can reconstruct that film
1: What you mean, reconstruct
0: the film? Uh, It's been done several times by AFI and other organizations that have the resources for that.
2: The foundations of it. You miss some of it, but you can actually reconstruct the foundations of a film, and they use morphing techniques now to morph from one scene to the other off of that. There's been several done that way. And
0: especially if films are found with missing pieces, and we can find the stills that go in there, they can put those in and give you the whole story.
1: That's fascinating. So now, not to... Move too far away from posters, but how many films are lost? I mean, or what percentage of films are lost? Is that what we know?
2: They really don't know. There's so many. So what I'm saying there, AFI, and this was what, oh, probably about 15, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, came out declaring that 90% of all silence made in the U.S. are, are gone, which we actually think that's wrong because when they did the study, they did feature films. Now, a feature film is an hour in length or five reels. The first feature film was in 1912. They actually put out two. So when you look at 1912, when I think of silent films, I think of Charlie Chaplin or Keystone Cops or, you know, the whole bunch of silent. None of those were feature films. Uh, when you take someone uh, uh, like Thenhauser that put out over a 1,000 films— mm-hmm. 51 of them were feature films. All the rest were not even considered. None of those were considered when they even did it. So personally, I believe it's probably closer to 97 to 98% of ah, all silent that's films horrible. are gone.
1: So a lot worse than you think. It's because of just the medium. It, it, it just, it, over time, it either disintegrated or, or got lost or, or burned. destroyed or burned. It was right? highly flammable. Ah, so all that work is just gone forever. Yeah, gone forever. Lost.
2: So a lot of that will never be found, anything on them. We have posters in our collection made in Louisiana that we can find no information on whatsoever. We know it was existed because we have the poster, and it's dated, even made here, about here, and all this kind of, nothing recorded. We can't find it in newspapers, digging through records. We can find no information
1: on, whatsoever on it. That's amazing. So it's a, it's a movie poster to nothing. To nothing, right? <laughs> That's so wild. Okay, so so now the so the films obviously are in danger because they're flammable and everything else. The posters themselves, uh, I, I don't know if you have the stats on how many of these posters are gone, but what makes those th- that those products in
0: danger?
2: Uh, well, there have been since uh, in the twenties is when film preservation started. Okay, you don't mind me? Did you?
0: you go right ahead. I'll jump in if I think it's okay. necessary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in, in the 20s, film preservation started. There have been hundreds of organizations dedicated to film preservation, literally spending millions of dollars, and rightly so. The yeah. film is the most important part. Yeah. We're the first that we can find on record anywhere, nonprofit dedicated to the film accessories.
1: Okay. now that's posters and what?
2: posters, stills, press books, lobby cards, uh, standees, even trailers are actually an accessory. We don't fool a lot with trailers because that's part of the film. Right. But trailers are actually an accessory. They were put out normally before the film was released and actually put out. Most of them are not copyrighted. They're you know, they're put out completely separate from the film being done
0: and let me jump in and say this one reason that the posters are in danger is that they were created as disposable advertising they were not meant to be preserved and they were on flimsy paper Mm -hmm. Uh, they would uh, travel from theater to theater because in those days a film was in theaters for up to two years going from larger to smaller to smaller to smaller and the the display posters get moved around? Yes, they oh, move yeah. those posters with <laughs> the film. They just the film. oh, and some of them that we get show that. They look like they've been uh, through the run middle. over tire tracks. Oh, absolutely. And then there have been several purges of movie posters. Actually, the studios would write on there not to be used for any other purpose, disposed when done. So they were not supposed to be kept. Well, that's out of copy. Well, the copyright's another issue that I'm going to let Ed Mm -hmm. talk about because he's actually been part of an expert. He has been an expert witness about that. Oh, wow. Okay. But the the reason that the posters have almost disappeared is they were supposed to disappear. Yeah, yeah. So preserving them is really a challenge.
1: Well, I'm curious. Are are original posters, something from decades ago, are there – archival techniques that you have now to keep this stuff from from disintegrating too Very quickly? Very
0: specific, and that's one of the dangers. We know that some major institutions have destroyed posters because they weren't aware of the different techniques uh, they needed for different decades.
1: So best intentions, but...
0: Absolutely, Best Intentions, but there's a critical field of knowledge, and that's one thing we want to do some training about. We're looking at starting a program next year where we train archivists in the specific details of preserving movie posters.
1: Oh, my. Okay. So, look, let me ask you this. Now, I I started with a broad question about movie posters in general. Now, Linda, uh, talk me through where are we and how did this come to be? (laughs) What what is Movie Posters Archives? We're here in uh, the—I'm on the West Bank— I drove over here. I don't understand any context. What's happening?
0: Okay. I'll tell you my version, <laughs> but Ed's got a much longer version. Okay. As you might imagine. We, we can compare and see, you know. Um, about, about six years ago, okay, I was writing a book and doing research on Louisiana film.
1: Maybe you should give us a little of your background. I only gave a brief bit here.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I. What's was, the
1: one-minute summary of, the of one you minute and, summary. and the film industry? I,
0: I was um, a French Quarter hippie in the 60s. <laughs> okay. I was a New York lighting designer in the seventies. LD, okay. I worked in the studios in Hollywood in the eighties In the nineties. I became an executive and ran the Hollywood Creative Directory.
1: Okay, what's the Hollywood Creative Directory? It
0: is. It was uh, the major publication where you could find anybody who was anybody I in know, Hollywood. Who? Okay. And we sort of validated that they really were producers or whatever. You know, it was it was a cool job. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I had six thousand people in my directory. That's why I have trouble with names to this day. It's <laughs> <That's> too many. <laughs> I got too many names in my head. And then um, when the film industry started happening in Louisiana in the early 2000s, I came back and wrote a study on the status of the industry in Louisiana. Okay. Where I interviewed people from L.A. and Louisiana to compare the attitudes, which is very interesting, and then did a lot of work on uh, creating a studio here. And, and then in the, when I retired, I found that, Ed's book when I was Ed and Sue's book when I was doing my research for my book. And so, just, yeah, how long ago was that? Six years. Oh, so six years ago, you guys didn't know each other before that, no, got it? And I'm sorry to take so much time telling this. No, but, this is great. Uh, when I called and talked to Ed and said I'd love to use some of your posters as illustrations in my book.
1: Oh, that's how it started. Okay.
0: And he said, Oh, great. You know, sure. Come on down. We'll talk. Well, where are you? New Orleans. Went, <laughs> okay, i got to drive an hour.
1: (laughs) Wait, where were you? Where were you? In Hammond. You were in Hammond, okay.
0: So uh, we got together, and over the course of a few months, you know, he drops this in the conversation. You know, we really need a non-profit for movie posters. Now, I'm retiring. (laughs) Okay. I'm finishing the book. Yes. I cannot sit on my hands. Yes. So I thought, I've been on so many nonprofit boards. What well, maybe oh so about what, <laughs> a week later we had a nonprofit.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: cool. And then he shows me things that are being donated and by the end of that year we had over two hundred thousand pieces.
1: Uh, is two hundred do- do- thousand donated, donated pieces. Donated pieces. Yeah. Okay. Is it all here in this room right now? No. Okay. <laughs> no.
0: Where is it all? Where is it? We have multiple storage sites. There's actually like and this. we've actually consolidated two or three of them into this space. Okay, and we'll gradually bring others in, but we would have to expand this space at least double or triple it to bring everything in.
1: okay, so there is two hundred thousand
0: primarily posters um posters and lobby cards, which are the smaller posters that were in theaters. yes, yes. the stills. we also have things that people donate that don't belong in the archives, which is one reason we're happy to have the store because we can share those
1: o- okay, um, who are the people that are giving you these 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 assets?
0: You take that okay. one in.
2: Well, now that was the first year. We've to date, we've received over a million and a half pieces. Oh my the, goodness! That was only the first year, or at part of year. a year. Half yeah. of a year,
0: Not even a half year. Year
2: one is less than half a year. So
0: there's
1: a community of people that collect and pay oh, attention yeah. to this, and you're uh, in touch with them
2: Well, World that's what I worked in. My wife and I started 46 years ago by accident, by just buying a poster. What and was not, it? Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you remember?
0: Gidget. It was Gidget. It was Gidget. Yes. <laughs> I bought it for her. (laughs) There's
2: no shame. (laughs) Yeah, walking shame you. Walking walking through the French Quarter, they had a table there that had some posters on it, and she saw Gidget and went running over and, you know,
1: I'll buy it. And that that was forty six years ago, you said? Forty six years ago. So I wonder if this is around the time you were a hippie in the French Quarter?
0: Uh Just about, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was in the 70s. You might have have passed each other in the the street, yeah. So
2: from there, we went back to get more, and they weren't there, and we looked for them, and we couldn't find any, and started searching, and if they'd have been easy to find, we probably would have never thought of it again. Right. But they weren't, and they were harder and harder, so when we found them, we started buying, and then going, buying collections, and having to sell off the ones we didn't like to buy more collections, and... Uh, Then moving into dealer and to retail store, and uh, then in 1997, we wrote the first reference book because there was nothing out there on them. Okay. So we started writing the foundations, and in 2000, we stopped and went full-time into research. Okay, because auction houses, dealers needed the information and they would they would hire you as contractors to do that. Right. So we would we would supply the information and uh, what
1: kind of things? What what, what would people hire you for?
2: Okay, uh, for example, well, as of now. We have the only database with production code. We have over 70,000 production codes to help identify unknown movie stills.
1: Okay, understood. So,
2: an auction house that gets something and they don't know what it is, but it's got numbers. They may recognize a person, but they have no clue what movie it is. You can use those numbers to track down and basically help identify what movie it that is. That's your
0: list. Yeah, that's his yes. intellectual property as your ip so yeah.
2: uh but each number on there has that and that's what we did we went into researching every mark that's on all of those internationally so german posters you'd be surprised you get uh material there that they have on their posters that date them as well and the dealers there don't know either so we were going down the line with major countries in france and england and wow. germany Egypt, uh, Japan, all of these doing research, and they would send us the posters. They would give us the images. They would, you know, anything to help them help identify what that is before they sold it. And
1: this is just the two of you this whole time. Yeah.
0: And what he's not saying is that they were called as expert witnesses in fraud cases yes. involving multiple millions of dollars of fake posters.
2: Oh yeah, we had one man and oh, p- someone selling expensive posters. Actually, poster he had wasn't. he got with a printer, and they would cut-and-paste things together to make old movie posters and try to pass them off as originals. And, that would, and how much would that millions cost? millions of that? dollars' worth of old posters to dealers, even, that were buying them. And uh, we went in. We were the expert witness on that. We actually had to write a book, Legality of U.S. Movie Posters, oh. and train—we had to show the FBI how to— what to go for and what to look for. And then we had to do the booklet over to, they had to give it for um, all the court because they didn't, the attorneys didn't even understand the difference in how you tell the difference in these. He went to jail for seven years. So uh,
1: what was he selling those for?
2: Like how much? Oh, usually, no, he went for high price stuff that there's very little on. So you'd be 30s and 40s titles to where it's hard to do research on them. And so he knew enough to put corners and pieces off. One of them, a major auction house put up, and we had one of the dealers that was looking at buying it call us and had us run down the lithography plate number, and it was the wrong plate number. He had just cut and pasted a plate number on there to make it look official, and they found out, and they... uh, really uh, almost destroyed the auction house.
1: So if it weren't for the two of you and your project, decades-long project of cataloging and paying attention to all this, that, that man, that person would still be doing this oh, to yes. you, probably? Oh, yes,
2: definitely so, definitely.
1: <laughs> that's wild. Yeah.
0: And that's just the foundation of what we're doing here. Okay, yes, yes. There's so much more because we have, um, we have materials that will let us cover every decade, every era. We have 30, uh, 20 countries and 30 languages. So we can really look at some of my favorites are the Louisiana-made movies and their foreign language posters. We've got King Creole in yes. French is fabulous. And it's just it's so much fun because you see what, uh, how other countries see us.
1: I, I love this uh, display here where you've got all these movies from the 60s and earlier and then Jurassic World in the middle of it. Of
2: course. <laughs> that's, a, that's a British quad, by the way. What's that mean? The, that means that's the poster that they... Had used for the theaters in England. Oh, got gotcha, you. And gotcha. every so, country
0: has their own sizes. Okay. And quad oh, is the, a British size.
2: Yeah. The see way the 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 beside it—that's Italian. That's an Italian Locandina. Yeah. That's beside it is a French. So that's a French Mornin. Then you've got Yugoslavian. The hush hush wheat Charlotte down there is German. Yes. So, and then you see uh, Alvarez Kelly down. That's Danish. That's from Denmark. So. Uh, this we just pulled down from an exhibit we had h- up here for Halloween that uh, while we were just bringing things in, we stuck it up in case people came by just to have something to look at that was different. And then I pulled it down when we put this, and I just hadn't taken it home
1: yet.
0: <laughs> so the exhibit that's up n- now right. is different because oftentimes our exhibits are not for sale. They're things that are part of the permanent collection. Right. And the permanent collection has, has things that uh, we want to make sure there's always a copy Preserved. But the items that are in the gallery now are all for sale. They're, we either have multiples; or they were donated specifically to sell to support our activities, and it's a different opportunity for people. We've always got things for sale in there because we have the fabulous celebrity photos. We have books of major themes like Casablanca or Star Trek or uh, Charlton Heston or somebody yeah. else. You know, <laughs> it's always something.
1: Okay, so talk to me about this space specifically because you just had a grand opening event, right? Yes. Uh, the the Paris president was here. Or is that- Right? Oh, that was fun. So here you are. You've got your project six years running. You've got a million and a half um, p- pieces of archival material. Why do you have a, a forward facing public space here? What, what, how do people come use this space?
0: I'll take this one because Ed would still be in his uh, little office at home researching if he had his way. <laughs> That's
1: the
2: truth.
0: <laughs> what, how, it was an evolution. We started by just trying to get our our arms around the collection, which very quickly grew to 400,000, 500,000 pieces. And we were turning them down because we didn't have room to take them. Right. So when one of our donors, a major donor who is um, Morris Everett Jr. Okay. said, if you would like to have your own space, I'll help you do it. And we went, really? Okay, we'll start looking. And we thought warehouse initially. And then Actually, we talked with uh, the people at JEDCO right. who recommended a retail space with the storage facility.
1: Interesting. And so JEDCO was the one who first brought the Jedco of retail. JEDCO
0: brought it up. Oh, okay. what, what started it was just a conversation with Kate, the director, and uh, some of her staff and telling them what we needed. And anything that I mentioned, they said, okay, well, this is what you can do there it was like they had a, a body of knowledge that was amazing and what really impressed me was by the time i got home i had emails with introductions to everyone they had talked ah, about great. that's the step that made a difference right. you know and it continues as kate introduced us to you immediately right. after the grand opening so this is they do it they don't just talk about it and i've worked with a lot of economic development people and i've even taken economic development groups to california and this has been the most effective that I've ever worked with.
1: That's awesome. So this is not your traditional store. Yeah. So the business plan is going to be different than, say, if you're uh, you know, a drugstore or something. We went
2: around looking for just a warehouse. All we were going to do was we needed to consolidate because we had storage, room, all these storage rooms. We still have one 25 by 25 that's got like 15 pallets full in it. Okay. So we wanted a warehouse to be able to just continue that direction. We searched, we went all over the place, we went around, and nothing in the price range that we could handle. It was all, we were even, we kept being told, well, you're looking what everybody else is looking for. We've got smaller, we've got larger. We said, oh, we can't afford the huge yet. You know, we've got to sort of step up. And we told that to Jedco. And Jedco's the one who said, Go talk to this mall right over here <laughs> and say, <laughs> you, see, like you may, yeah, you may want to look at doing that, but if you do, you might want to put something retail. It never had even dawned on us to look at that direction until we couldn't find what we needed, in all honesty.
0: And really, it was a, it was a step beyond what we expected, but uh, Andrea Husman from Corporate Realty was our yeah. broker, and then the, the manager here is Terry Nunez, the okay. the a center manager. And they were fantastic. I mean, they got us a lease that we could live with, uh, one that we think we can manage. And the store, the space itself was raw. It was very raw. It hadn't been used for several years. And so we had to make some decisions about what we want to do. And boy, we had design meetings that I don't know if anybody else would call them a design meeting, but that's what I would call them. You know, how are we going to do this? And so the, the decision to put the, that part, about a third of the space for the store, because we have merchandise that has been donated that we cannot use in the archives. You know, it may be multiple copies of things, or it may be inappropriate for the archives, like the celebrity photos, or the TV stuff, some fabulous TV things on Batman, and the series from the 50s and 60s. So that's all stuff that we don't want to keep in storage and sharing with the public is the best way to go. So the prices that we put on that merchandise, remember, it's donated. So our costs are maintaining the store and, pres- and our projects for preservation. So these, I've seen things that we offer for 5 or $8 that's on eBay for 200 So if someone knows... They are really collectibles, and they means and the, the wonderful thing about it is, yes, there are people who are collectors and are serious about the investment process, but the most meaningful people there's an emotional attachment. This is my mother's favorite TV show. She's getting this for Christmas, you know, or this really means something to me. And those stories are always wonderful.
1: So, for the people who are listening to this podcast, what should they think of when they think of this story?
0: Well. We have a space that they can come and just relive their memories. I mean, the Lieutenant Governor talked about seeing these movies with his dad and family. And so for them to come do that, we're happy for them to do that. What's important to us is that we live on donations and the sales of this merchandise is what sustains us. So they can find great gifts for $5 or $20 or just something that means something to someone. And it's amazing. If you, I saw a picture yesterday, and it made me think of one of my high school classmates. You know, because I knew that was important to her. So there's always some connection. You can have an emotional, rewarding experience while you're shopping.
1: Another question is, why is this idea, a, an archive of of movie posters, not a giant, multi-million dollar building in New York or Los Angeles? It seems like this would be something on a grand scale. For, for probably
2: 30 or 40 years, all I've heard is. You should be in California. You should be in California. <laughs> we don't want to be in California. Right, right, right. <laughs> we, we, we basically want to, be, we want to be here. This is home. Okay. And,
0: and they do have some of this, but there's no one who has the patience and tenacity of Ed and Susan Poole right. to do the research. They're the reason this exists.
1: It's the research, right? That's.
0: It's the research. I mean, there are poster collections. A lot of places, you know, and the, the academy, I think, has like 10,000 posters, which is a nice collection, you know, but we've got a million point five. You know, and our, because we're based on research and the preservation, um, and I think the next step for us is education, teaching other people to do it.
1: You guys have been doing this for a long time, from that Gidget poster till now. But also during that time, there's been an absolute uh, information revolution. And so we have, we have w- what computers could do then versus what computers could do now, and we have the Internet. How has that all affected your work, and how have you guys uh, evolved?
2: Okay. Initially, when we started, it was all by mail order. <laughs> Everything was done by mail order. So we've had to evolve in 2000 when we closed our retail store. We basically opened a website and had to move to membership and sponsorship. We were we're sponsored by some of the largest auction houses in the world uh, that do their research that we do for them. Uh, I guess it's hard to mention. Okay. Learnaboutmovieposters.com. It's about 200,000 pages online. Uh, A good third of it is free for the public, so we send new collectors there where they can go through and learn what the different things are. Then we have sections that are membership only that are basically advanced for auction houses or dealers or people that that are in the business that need to know or are constantly looking up different types of information. So um, we've used the Internet. We just didn't know how to take it from there being a private business. Right. We knew this is really larger than we are. This needs to go on. It needs to become a nonprofit. Right. Right. We had right. no clue how to do, and that's, that's the next step, that uh, we have to turn everything and move everything slowly over because that's an additional amount of information and all that that right now is also supporting us. So, But we hope that this will continue to grow enough that we can just consolidate everything into it.
1: Poster-wise, is there one most famous, most expensive uh, poster that's ever been sold to a collector kind of a thing? Or what are the most valuable ones?
2: Uh, Metropolis runs, I think it just went for resold. There's three known in the world. And uh, one of them went for about $1.2 million. So, see, your older posters... That most of them have been destroyed, so you get uh, you start slowly getting to where more and more expensive, because there are few of them. Uh, So many of them, in fact, we I've got a list on. If you go to our site, learnaboutmovieposters.com. We've got a list of all the posters that have sold for over $10,000 each. So you can run down a list and see how many in the 50000 and what kind of posters are in the $50,000 range or the 100000 if you're shopping, yes, to where <laughs> and so forth.
1: Well, look, let me ask you one last question, uh, Linda and Ed. Uh, what, what are you most excited about and what are you most optimistic about this whole venture?
0: I'm excited that it actually happened. You know, it's like John Sayles said about making a movie. He said, The miracle is not that it's a good movie. The miracle is it got made. You know, and so to have this be a reality, we have been had people ask us every day, Where can I see the posters? Where can I see the posters? 605 La Palco, come on down. You know, you can see the posters. Our, Our hours are noon to five, Tuesday through Saturday, or by appointment. You can call, and we'll be happy to to have someone here because we all live in the neighborhood and we love it. And it's just a it's a joy to be able to make people happy like this.
2: Basically, that yeah, it's hard to believe we're finally opening something. This is a step that my wife and I have actually dreamed about for probably twenty years or more. That it's finally the problems is we have so much to do to get the rest of it here. <laughs> I have probably four to 500,000 pieces. I haven't had time to open the boxes yet, so we don't even know what's in them.
1: Well, look, Linda Thurman and Ed Poole from Movie Poster Archives, congrats on your new venture, and it's been really fun talking to you. Thank you a lot. Thanks we so really much.
2: appreciate it. Thanks for
1: listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social
0: media, at BizNewOrleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.